Today's show features Corinna Coffin. Corinna is an impressively diverse athlete from being top in the world to CrossFit and Spartan to having a background in triathlons at Virginia Tech, as well as many accolades in high school in lacrosse, soccer, and cross country. Most recently, she's been the Spartan World Championship runner-up in 2017 and 18. She was the 2019 Spartan Stadium Series champ, as well as the Broken Skull Ranch champ. Corinna has many impressive achievements, but you may have seen her in the YouTube series Spartan Games at the end of 2020, battling it out with Lindsay Webster for victory in the four-day event. And although she ended up placing second to Webster, Coffin was there every step of the way. She is now a registered dietitian and is here to talk to us about her athletic career as well as how she feels her body and her take on nutrition. You're listening to the Science of Sports Recovery podcast. Each week we explore how to recover more efficiently from training so you can work out harder and realize your full potential. This is the Science of Sports Recovery Podcast. Before we get into the show today, I have some big news for you, the listener. It's your lucky day. For this week, Insight Tracker and I have teamed up to give you something for free, something that is pretty game changer for your nutritional strategy. I'll tell you in a little bit how to register to win, but for now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Corinna, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting me, Jace. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're definitely excited to hear a little bit about your athletic background and your experience as a registered dietitian and stuff. So, but we're going to start with athletic. And I know you just kind of got out of the, the Spartan Games world. Um, it's been about a, a month now since it's aired. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe, was it back in October or was that November of 2020? Yeah. It was like October 10th through 12th or the 8th through the 12th. So okay. yeah, it seems, it seems, it didn't seem that long ago, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess it feels a little bit in some ways that, um, you know, that last time we competed was, was in fact a couple months ago now. So, yeah. So if anybody hasn't, if you don't know what the Spartan games um, is, or if you're confused when I say that it, it's a YouTube series now, um, yeah. but it was a four day event. They Spartan brought in athletes from all different disciplines to basically say, here's some endurance, here's some strength, like who's going to be best at all of them put together. Uh, Corinna did very well in that event um, placing second, I believe right behind Lindsay Webster. So mm-hmm. just like overall, thoughts on doing the endurance events and doing the strength events in a short amount of time was that something that you see like more of in the future or was that just like and eh, that was nice but it's not for me you know it was such a cool event because there really hasn't been anything quite like it you know it, it we, we've never had I mean even if you take multi-day events what first comes to mind to me is like the CrossFit games is, you know, they're, they're still very much, you know, they're, they're varied. All the events are varied, but you're not stretching too far outside of, you know, the, the strength and speed and, Mm -hmm. you know, the CrossFit kind of circle of, of movements. Whereas with the Spartan games, I mean, we really were doing everything from 
strong man lifting style events to six, five and six hour long ultra mm-hmm. endurance biking and running. And I thought that was so cool to have one event that, that in the short, in the short, a short matter of four days, you know, we really covered so many different areas. So I absolutely loved that. And I, I find that a lot of my training um, is based off of just what, what is fun and enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Unfortunately, because, you know, I, it doesn't allow me to necessarily excel in any one area, but something like this, like something like the Spartan Games, mm-hmm. it really gives me something to, um, you know, something to, to put all those things to the test. Like I, I love mountain biking. I enjoy running. I, I enjoy lifting weights in the gym. I like gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> you know, there's not really any one specific sport that kind of includes all of those things. I guess obstacle course racing in and of itself, it combines a little bit of both mm-hmm. of the strength and, and the endurance, but it was such a fun event. And I, and I hope, and from the feedback, I think that people really enjoyed kind of seeing all the athletes come together and, and try their hands at all these different yeah. categories. And so I, I think it'll be something that sticks for sure. I think Spartan has big plans to continue that, you know, at least have it once a year. Now it's just, deciding who gets to come right because yeah. <laughs> because it's, should there be a qualification um standard should there is it going to be invite only and, and so mm-hmm. i think there's some things to work out there yeah it's an interesting <clears throat> especially for spartan because they're like um how how can we bring more attention to you know obstacle course racing and that kind of stuff while bringing in other athletes to try the sport you know in a different way yeah. obviously elevates their brand so i think it from my perspective, it'd be smart to continue that. I'm wondering from your perspective, I have, I have my perspective after watching Mm -hmm. it. Um, but from the, an athlete being in it, do you think it was more geared towards endurance athletes or strength athletes Uh, who had the advantage? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I do think, uh, you know, and you, and you take faith who is one of like one of the favorites. She's so fun. And, um, she's, she's, she was just a great, great person, great attitude, great personality. Um, and she, you know, she did quite well in that, over, in the competition overall, mm-hmm. um, because there were so many strength based events, um, you know, but at the same time we had, we had the, the run, we had the ultra run, we had the mountain bike, mm-hmm. we had the, we had the swim, Um, but yeah, then there was a lot of, you know, there was the wrestling, there was the two decas. I mean, but on the endurance side, there were the two OCR races too, the obstacle races. So, you know, I, (laughs) that's a great question. Um, I feel like, and, and I think the results kind of, you know, like Lindsay is an endurance athlete. She is not a strength-based athlete. So the fact that she won has to speak to, the fact that there were, there were some, there were quite a few endurance events there that yeah. allowed her and, and she did very well on them. Um, whereas for myself, I, I'm a hybrid athlete, but I think more so these days, I'm, I'm a little bit more geared toward the shorter and the stronger stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I, so I, and I came second. And so I think Lindsay was able to take the win because she had so many great performances for the endurance sure. and then she had some lower performances in the strength. Whereas I kind of stayed consistent across the board. Um, yeah. so you kinda, know, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I think overall, I think it kind of geared towards endurance and, and just because it was a four day event, 
And, you know, towards the end, even if it was more like the Spartan cross, for example, at the end, that one, I, you know, obviously I, I didn't see all the course and stuff again. It's hard to tell, but it seemed like there's so many obstacles that it was meant to be more of a strength base, but it probably turned into more endurance just because it's at the end of the event, right. you know, you're four days in and, and stuff. So it's just who can keep going. Yeah. Um, I think it though it they had a, a good blend but yeah. it also depends on like the athletes that you invite right because if you invite all the endurance athletes and then just a few strength athletes then your strength athletes are going to have an advantage because they're going to easily take the top you know three spots or whatever in the right. strength events and then the endurance athletes they're gonna fight for those top spots in every endurance event right. um you kind of wrote oh go ahead oh, no no you go i'll tell you i was I'll gonna say, say like your your um athletic coming into it or your athletic background coming into it actually kind of reminded me of hunter which is um kind of interesting how you both got second then because um, Hunter is from my perspective, I don't know him as well, but he's that strength based athlete that has a past of endurance. Mm -hmm. Like he's done that too, where that seems to be yours. And I'm not trying to, um, say you're like him in any personality <laughs> ways or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but from an athletic standpoint, I could sure. see the similarities and it was interesting how that, um, performed pretty well in all events. I mean, you were yeah. never the like blowing out everybody out of the water and in, in, in any of the events, but right. you were always, you know, right there in the top five and stuff. So, um, anyways, that was, that's kind of my perspective from outside looking at. Yeah. Well, and, and you take the, you take the lineup. So all of the strictly endurance men and women, you know, finished, you, you know, they, they were kind of in the lower end of the pack, all of the strength, That's purely, true. purely strength-based athletes finished, um, as well in the, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit ahead of those. Cause I mean, if you are in a smaller endurance individual and you just can't do something you're going to get a lot true. of zeros for those races, but if you're purely, purely strength, you're going to be finishing still middle of the pack low. And then it was really like Lauren weeks and then Sam Briggs. Those are, you know, both of them, have a, a you know have a a, a well-rounded endurance side to them as well and i think yeah. that that showed in you know third third and fourth place so sure. um yeah i i think i mean i think that having this discussion right now it, it it is credit to spartan for putting together a race that really include a little bit of, include a little bit of everything you yeah. know we had that king of the mountain on the last day too which was very much you know endurance and running yeah. um the weight vest didn't really feel honestly like, but at that point it's like, okay, we're carrying like, it's, it just sucks all around. We're running after we just finished a six hour run the night before. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it felt very much endurance and not, you know, we weren't carrying like 40 pound. Yeah. Rocks out there. Yeah. You did bring up a good point. Like this, the <laughs> strict marathoners or ultra marathoners, um, you know, they didn't perform as well as, you know, say a Lindsay Webster or Ryan Atkins. Cause they didn't have that um, strength, but, right. um, I think overall is probably endurance, but you need some strength rather than mm -hmm. strength 
plus endurance is mm-hmm. kind of the feel I got from yeah. it. But which is which is exactly why you know obstacle course racers. I think you know that's the cool that's a cool aspect of our sport um, is that you you really can't be a one horse pony or one trick pony. You have yeah. to be a one horse pony, a one trick pony because you you really do like if you can't do the obstacles, then you're not going to do well. If you mm-hmm. can't run, you you're not going to cross the finish line. You know, in that yeah. top pack. So your, your athletic background, obviously you've, you've tried, you know, um, cross country, I think triathlon, um, mountain biking, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what led you to like CrossFit and Spartan and like, how was that transition for you? Um, yeah, so I was actually, I was doing so cross country in high in lacrosse in, in high school and mm-hmm. I wanted to play lacrosse in college, but, um, decided to, play club at Virginia tech. Sure. And then I was always kind of, I was always wanting to do more for, for fitness. And I felt like my, my practices weren't giving that for me. And so I had always been interested in, um, triathlon, but I couldn't swim. <laughs> so <laughs> fortunately our club triathlon team at Virginia tech was super welcoming. was like, we, you can join us even if like you have never done any of the three, you know, disciplines. And so I was like, wow, well, this sounds like a pretty cool group. Like I, you know, they'll they'll take me in even as a terrible swimmer. And so (laughs) I, I stopped lacrosse and I started doing triathlon and I would go to like, when I say I haven't hadn't swam a lap before, like I, I, I had not done that before. I remember doing my first 25 and be like, holy cow, they're going to do this 10 times for just the yeah. first part of the warm up, and <laughs> it was such a cool thing to start to to being you know start being consistent you know going to swim practices at 6 a.m um mm-hmm. monday through friday you know as a junior in college and starting to see that you know see the uh, the effects pay off the all the practices pay off mm-hmm. and um and the, i remember that my full year after so in my junior year the summer after my junior year i it's funny. I had a friend remember battle frog. I'm, I'm assuming you remember them. Um, I had a friend call me the night before the race. She was like, I twisted my ankle. I was signed up to do this new race, this new obstacle course race. And I can't do it. I just wanted to know if you wanted my entry. I was like, you know, it's summer. Like I don't have anything going on tomorrow <laughs> on Saturday. So I, I, I like had six hours notice. I woke up at like 3am drove the three hours or two hours. It was to get there. <laughs> Didn't know a single soul had like my, super old running shoes that had no traction on the bottom because they were, you know, I didn't want to get my nice ones muddy. Yeah. And I jumped into this battle frog race and ended up winning for girls. I was like, Holy cow. I just won this thing. And it was so much fun. It was running, it had strength. And, and I met, you know, David Megita and, um, uh, and Junyun Pak and uh, who else was there? Gosh, it was just some of these like oh, some of the Laura. I'm forgetting her last name, but some of these other kind of regular contenders in the OCR world, and yeah. they were like, "You should come do the DC Spartan State or DC Spartan Sprint next weekend." And I was like, "Okay." And so <laughs> at, I think I came in second. I missed the spear throw, and Orla passed me at the end. But uh, then then they're like, "You should do the Boston Spartan Sprint in three weeks." And so I just kind of started like oh my gosh this is so cool what a fun world um and then i had done a handful of spartan races that summer and the world championships was coming was coming up and so i tried i kind of told my triathlon team i was you know we'd gone to nationals this the spring before and we did pretty yeah. well and i was like i think i'm gonna 
kind of focus on, I'm going to still train with the team, but I think my, my focus is going to be on these obstacle course races. And they were super supportive of that. And then the world championship came around and that first year was, you know, when I finished second to quad. Um, and, and it, it just, it was just kind of, that was my first introduction into the sport of OCR. And it kind of just took off from there. I was like, this is, this is incredible. This is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and then during that time, I also got into, I took some small group training, like CrossFit classes at okay. my university, just because I wanted to get stronger for triathlon too. And I was, um, you know, I've always been like someone who's interested in the strength training component. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of fell in love with CrossFit simultaneously. So I was doing CrossFit and triathlon practice to kind of cover my bases for obstacle course racing. And then, okay. and then that kind of just evolved. They both kind of evolved, but then at one point my CrossFit took over, over the endurance, my love for, for in the endurance running. I think I got a little burnt out from obstacle course racing and wanted sure. to pursue the CrossFit side of things a little bit. And so 2017, 2018 was more of my CrossFit years. And then 2019 okay. was stepping back into like short course, um, Spartan stadium races. And then mm -hmm. 2020 was a little bit of a toss up. So now I'm kind of finding myself like stepping away from CrossFit a little bit more, like doing, doing some strength training, but in, and enjoying that, yeah. but wanting to get my training outside more and, and be in the mountains and, and, and find my legs again and really kind of, finds somewhere in the middle of those two yeah i love how you started triathlon by like not swimming you know <laughs> and then yeah. like oh, i don't know if i can swim but let's do this and then you started ocr by like i don't know what this is but i guess i'll go <laughs> yeah and and i think it's you know that mentality i think was was what helped me step into that world and i don't mm -hmm. know if i would have otherwise and so i think it's always you know it's it's trying to embrace those fears and just saying, you know what? Okay. It's okay. If I fail, you know, hopefully yeah. you have people around you that are supportive and, you know, and, and help guide you a little bit, but, you know, just being like, let's, let's try it. What, like, you know, why, why not? Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's maybe where that holds a lot of people back sometimes. And, and, um, I, if that's you, I, I encourage you to just take that leap of faith and you never know what you might stumble into. Yeah. That's a good lesson, not only in sport, but just, in life in general, life. I think. Absolutely. When it comes to nutrition, you need to know where you are at. Right after this break, Corinna is going to talk about her take on fueling her body and how she listens to her body to determine her nutritional needs. And that's why I've teamed up with Inside Tracker to give you an inside look on how your current nutrition is affecting your performance. Inside Tracker has been a game changer for how I think about fueling. Working with them is simple and smooth. Just a simple blood draw and they take care of the rest. After a few days I knew exactly what biomarkers were optimal for me and which ones needed improvement. They didn't stop there though. They've done the research of what foods are scientifically proven to help with the biomarkers that need improvement for me and gave me a personalized recommendation of dietary changes. Not only that, they text me every day, because I told them to, to remind me and help keep me accountable to my new dietary changes. Because you are a listener of the Science of Sports Recovery, you have a chance to win an ultimate blood test from Inside Tracker, which is a $600 value, plus a free consultation to review your blood work results with a registered dietitian. 
To enter for your chance to win, just go to scienceofsportsrecovery.com slash insight tracker. Again, that's scienceofsportsrecovery.com slash insight tracker. All right, now back to the show. So obviously, you know, athlete, um, a lot of athletes tend to then like to work in the athletic performance field, that kind of stuff. But um, what was it about like nutrition that really got your attention? And when did you start studying that? Was it right away when you went to college and said, hey, this is what I want to do? Or was it like, um, you know, three different decisions and this is where you landed? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I remember trying to figure out my major when I accepted my, um, when I accepted my invite to Virginia Tech, or I don't know, your my admission to Virginia Tech, yeah. and um, I'd always been <clears throat> interested in health and sports and athletics, and my family was just a like my my parents did a great job of you know of of, of I mean I just kind of assumed that people always ate you know the way I ate, and and you know there was never this like extreme focus on food growing up, but, you know, we were, my brothers and I were very active and my parents just, you know, we, we all cooked dinner together and we, mm-hmm. we, um, each night and had a family dinner. And, and so I never really gave too much thought into my nutrition until like my junior and senior years of cross country. And that's when I started to see, you know, some, some interesting things with my performance. Um, my junior year, I was extremely fatigued. I was probably under eating unknowingly. Um, my iron levels are extremely low. Um, and you know, once I started looking more into that and like, you know, I, I went to a doctor to kind of check, you know, especially checking my, Mm. my iron stores and, you know, I was anemic. And so I got on some supplementation. I started focusing a little bit more on, um, just on, on just my, my food intake. And I had an incredible senior year and we won, you know, States for cross country. And it was, you know, and that started getting me thinking about like, wow, this, this relationship between, you know, what we, how we fuel and what we eat and our performance. And so when, um, when I saw that that was, you know, a major for, you know, at at Virginia Tech, I was like, this is absolutely what I want to pursue. And then it was really cool all throughout college starting to get, you know, I, I never really had a, I never really had a nutrition class in high school or that was never really something that, um, you know, we had, I had any, any schooling on. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool to start learning more about these things as I was going through college, as I was competing or as I was, you know, being very active and applying like all the things I was learning to my own sport. And then, you know, junior and senior year, especially with the triathlon and obstacle course racing, like it, you know, I, I kind of see, saw that come full circle, um, in translating into, you know, optimal performance. So, so that was, I didn't know I wanted to be a dietitian though. And so I graduated and I was like, darn, I really, I should have chosen the dietetics track instead, but um, that came later. So, but, but it was really this, like the more I got into competition and, and, and um, you know, and, and and racing, I, I realized, wow, there's a lot more to good performance when it comes to food. So you mentioned, between your like junior senior year there you had a um, transition or a switch and kind of focus for your nutrition that brought you from you know being anemic to really good what like what was some of the things that you changed in your focus during that time well and I will say it was very basic like in, in high schools so I still didn't have a very good understanding of what mm-hmm 
you know, I, I didn't have the science behind all the nutrition then. I just knew that my family ate, ate pretty healthy. I could start eating a bit more. I think just being, I think that pre uh, training or that pre workout or um, pre practice nutrition was something that I was a little bit more focused on. Mm. Um, but the iron supplementation too, like I remember just going from not even be able to keeping up with like the last, like the slowest people on my team to being, you know, first in my practice, you know, in my practice group and just being like, wow, like I'm that, that was just, that was a huge fix. That was, that was having a profound impact. I wonder mm -hmm. what else, what else could have a profound impact. So I didn't really start the full exploration of that until like taking these nutrition classes in college and it didn't even cross my radar. And I actually think about, I think about the younger population or younger generation right now and probably how inundated with nutrition information they are, which was never even, never even a thing when I was in high school. And I yeah. think about how almost overly focused, how, how much of an over-focus there probably is on nutrition at that age, because it's just wrap, wrapped up in our culture and society almost to a, you know, to a negative, very negative degree. And so mm -hmm. it's that balance. Like I feel very fortunate to that, that that wasn't something that everyone was focused on body image and, and, you know, fad diets and all these things that are just kind of taking over our, our youth right now too. Yeah. Um, so, so my first introduction, fortunately was in school where learning actual evidence-based, yeah. uh, practices instead of learning off of social media from your influencers <laughs> that you follow. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the more, um, I, I think nutrition in and of itself, I think is overcomplicated at, yeah. at its, you know, very, media i think media mm -hmm. overcomplicates it because there's a lot of just industry pressures and, and that kind of stuff with hey if coffee is bad for you then i'm not going to sell any more coffee so then mm -hmm. we have to make a new research that says coffee is good for you or, mm -hmm. or you know what have you there so it's hard to like um, it's hard to navigate that but there is obviously science on you know how different foods affect oh uh, affect you and 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 any others um, like vitamins or minerals that you're absorbing as well. Um, like on, on one, I, I don't know if you're familiar with inside tracker, um, mm -hmm. but so I, I use them and I got my blood work back from uh, last week and I'm low in iron and multiple. And one of their suggestions was to limit my, um, calcium intake. Cause I was high on calcium and apparently, um, that limits your iron. Yeah. It, it, it inhibits the absorption, which is fun. Cause I just took my iron supplement. Cause I okay. kind of go on and off a little bit. Um, and you know, I don't want to take supplementation for prolonged periods of time. Uh, cause especially iron can be in high doses too, can, can be taxing on your liver. So mm -hmm. I try to make sure that I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm supplementing some weeks and then weaning off a little bit and then resupplementing. So right now I'm on like a little bit of a supplemental regimen with that. Um, sure. but I actually am drinking tea right now and I've made sure that there's at least been an hour since I took my sup my, my iron supplement. And when I drink my green tea, because actually green tea has a lot of, um, has a lot of phytates that inhibit the absorption of iron and some of these, some of these other nutrients. And so, um, but calcium is one of those. So I, I love having oats, oatmeal with like, with milk and yogurt in it, or at least putting the yogurt in it. And so I always have to make sure that I'm, <laughs> I'm 
it, you know, I want to take my iron supplement first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, but I also want to eat breakfast. So I always have to make sure like there's a timing thing where I make sure I at least have maybe yeah. an hour. And I'm actually not positive that the hour is like that optimal time. So I should really kind of look into that, but I, mm-hmm. but that is something that, yeah, you have to, and that's the problem with, that's a problem with a lot of supplements and mul- like multivitamins yeah. that people take is like you, you very well could be wasting your money on those things because you know, there's the more vitamins and minerals we take all at once. And then, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be a saturation of transporters in order to get those minerals and vitamins absorbed into your, into your body and your bloodstream. And so people just think more is better, more is better. It's like, well, you oversaturate those transporters here. It's, it's, it's good. You're going to hopefully pee them out if they're, if they're water soluble vitamins, but the fat soluble ones, you know, then you get into, you, you can, you can certainly store those and then, you know, to, you can reach toxicity levels in, in some cases. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's, I much prefer, I think, you know, just focusing mostly on whole foods is a great approach for, mm-hmm. you know, addressing deficiencies in, in your diet or making sure that you're covering your bases food first, because a lot yeah. of foods will have, um, the appropriate amount. They might have not have extremely high amounts, but when you, when you take, 5,000% of your recommended or the, the daily recommendations for a vitamin or mineral, well, you know, your body can only absorb so much. So you're not, exactly. it's not really, it's not really helping that you're taking 5,000%. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we use supplements as a crutch to like, oh, I, I've got my, all my vitamins, minerals in for the day. So now I can mm-hmm. eat like, you know, a slop or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm a big believer in, you know, let food be thy medicine. And um, that's why I ended up doing this inside tracker thing. Cause um, it's like, it's hard to know how yeah. your, what your body is, is um, uptaking what it's not, what it's deficient in, what it's not before it's kind of too late. So this was like a, a good way to like, Hey, you're a little low here. Let, let's make some small corrections with that but i'm wondering um if you have any like key things to watch whether it be in your um training whether it be you know just keep an eye on your body on Mm -hmm. that would be indicate certain deficiencies of you know vitamins minerals certain foods and that you know an athlete could say hey check up on these things and then, um, potentially this is what you would need to eat for the next, you know, couple of weeks or or in general. Yeah. And that's a great question. And I think it really, a lot of that comes down to knowing your body, like knowing how you recover and how you perform without necessarily all the gadgets and technology that we seem to rely on. I'm, I'm, I'm all for, you know, the, 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 the watches and the, and you know, the, the heart rate tracking and, um, you know, and the daily strain scores and whatnot, you know, those are becoming very popular with um, different technology. But I think it's really important to be able to discern for yourself, you know, how you're feeling now and, you know, maybe in the peak season of of your training or, you know, in your off season or like, and really being in tune with your own body and and how you're feeling. And I think there's, those are are things that, you know, gadgets can only tell us so much about. and so when you notice those things, like, wow, I'm not really recovering very well, or I'm really sore, or, um, you know, and, and or I'm 
extremely fatigued and unmotivated for this workout. I think it's really important to be able to, um, to discern those things for yourself because oftentimes, especially for athletes, that low energy can be a sign of, you know, under eating. And then when you're under eating, you're not getting, you know, you're you're not meeting your needs from, Mm -hmm. you know, a vitamin mineral or macronutrient level too. And so those can be some of the first sides, I think fatigue or like, um, low motivation for training can be a, a, a very big signal for, mm-hmm. um, for some of those deficiencies and, and just tracking, like I'm all for, I don't track my intake on a daily basis. Um, but I do know, you know, I have an idea of, you know, the calorie level that I'm, you know, calories that my, my needs, my caloric needs, and then what I'm actually ingesting. Sure. And then, you know, I kind of sticking to a similar pattern throughout the day with like, meal structure, meal and snack structure. Um, and then also, um, you know, but tracking every once in a while to kind of see like sometimes, and I do this with clients all the time, but Hey, I need like track three to five days before I start with any client that I'm working on, uh, working with for their nutrition, I ask them to track three to five days for me, just mm-hmm. so I get a glimpse of like what their usual intake is. And a lot of times that's a huge eye opener for themselves that, well, I've never really taken the time to just track my intake for a couple of days to see where I'm at. I notice all these patterns and then them writing it down. It's like, wow, like, yeah, I didn't realize that I'm, you know, it doesn't, I actually don't eat a whole lot of fruit or I don't have a lot of vegetables or I don't, I, I don't eat a lot at all. Like, wow, I didn't even realize that I was so under, yeah. underfed. And so I think that that's a really, easy way like you said like inside tracker is going to be a great test to to actually call you out on you know those low (laughs) markers but also do you know tracking your intake just to see what a typical day is for you and letting you kind of analyze that visually um can kind of allow you to step back and see big picture like wow what am i missing in my nutrition Mm -hmm. what am i what am i over consuming what am i under consuming and is this enough so i i think kind of in general those are like the those are like my rec- big recommendations for kind of addressing um, malnutrition. Okay. And I, w- I will say having tracked my um, intake for a while, uh, I go, I don't do it very often, but when I do, mm-hmm. I tend to eat less. Cause then I'm just like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. want to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, that's why I don't suggest doing it for long term, but right. Um, yeah, you you mentioned like not being motivated for a workout as a sign of potentially malnutrition. Do you typically is that just under like not eating enough, or is there any certain like? Um, I mean, I think vitamin D is is you know correlated to energy or um, potentially iron or or anything like that. Is there any correlation? And and I know you don't want to go like diagnose somebody you know and and stuff but um if they're like hey i just don't feel like working out you know i feel like i'm eating enough as far as quantity is there anything that you could do as far as quality yeah and i think without getting because you know you there's for there's so many vitamins and minerals that all contribute to you know energy Mm -hmm. metabolism or you know so so it's kind of that would be probably not I wouldn't be able to rightfully maybe specify a specific nutrient for mm. that. But I will say that carbohydrates, especially, especially right now, carbohydrates are like getting a bad rap 
in just society in general, everyone's trying to do this low carb, this and that. And I think it's easy for athletes who don't know a whole lot about nutrition, maybe that they kind of fall within that trap of, of, um, of thinking that they should go more high fat and, and reduce carbohydrates where, when that's the total opposite that athletes need to be worried about is that athletes need to focus on, you know, having carbohydrates throughout their day, specifically around training times yeah. to provide their, their muscles and their body with the energy to be able to, um, to, to, to give for, put forth, you know, a high intensity output, if that's what they're you know training for, yeah. it might be, it might be okay on lower and very low intensity days to, you know, maybe reduce carbohydrate or focus a little bit more on higher fat. But, um, but, but carbohydrates are essential for per, the performance sure. of, most, almost all athletes. And so I think that it's really important to, um, focus on carbohydrates at every meal, but specifically around, you know, those, those, the times for training pre and then during, if they're long, you know, long training bouts and then post for recovery. So, um, that's a big thing I see for a lot of, a lot of athletes is just this misinformation getting to them about, you know, being mindful of carbohydrates and, and not consuming them. And on, on the flip side, it seems like protein is kind of elevated. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think it's overrated or properly rated? You know, I, I think there is, I am, you know, protein is an essential nutrient. And, you mm. know, when we, the more active we are, the, the, the higher our needs are to an extent. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely seems to be this overemphasis on protein uh, where, where carbohydrates actually have a protein sparing effect if consumed at so that means that if you consume sufficient amounts of carbohydrates um, in your diet to support your energy needs mm-hmm. that your your needs your protein needs aren't as increased because carbohydrates are going to assume the role that sure. pro- high protein would other otherwise assume if you were low in energy if you were low in overall calories whereas you know High protein can't do the carbohydrate can't do can't do the job that carbohydrates do. And I'm, not, I'm not saying carbohydrates can do the job that proteins can do, mm-hmm. but oftentimes, you know, we use if our body is low in calories, our protein is going to be utilized for some of those other um, for some of those other functions that yeah. carbohydrates might normally otherwise take. And so that's why if you're in a caloric deficit and you're trying to be in a caloric deficit for weight loss, you want to increase protein um, because your, your body's going to need more protein since you're not consuming as much carbohydrate for sure. and, and utilizing carbohydrate for the roles that it's meant to be used for. So, um, and, and that's where muscle degradation can happen. Um, mm. when you're, when you're under, when you're under fueled in general, but then, you know, protein is low as well. So, so the more carbohydrate you can consume, um, and the bigger the focus that is in your diet, protein needs aren't necessarily, it's not as necessary to have high protein, extremely high protein intake. And then there's a lot of research that shows, you know, over a gram per pound of body weight in protein is not necessarily, it's not going to provide any additional benefit from a muscle protein Mm -hmm. synthesis standpoint or a muscle building standpoint. Okay. So a gram per, uh, one gram per pound, one gram per pound is, is high. You know, that's, that's where that's kind of that threshold where nothing beyond that's necessarily going to be helpful for you. Um, you know, the ranges, for especially for athletes are going to be between like 1.6 to 2 or 1.6 to 1.8 grams per kilogram 
Um, okay. So for, gosh, I don't. I could do that. I could do that math. I was going to give an example, but I don't want to butcher. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, but on a, um, on a live uh, <laughs> live recording, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe for like oh, for a hundred and fifty pound person, that two grams per kilogram. So that high end is going to be about one thirty five. 135 grams okay. of protein. Um, so 1.6 to 1.8 might be, is going to certainly be a little bit less than that. Um, but again, like I, I just, I, I think that, you know, th- there's, there's de- a definite need for, for protein and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be under, um, it shouldn't be undervalued, but at the same time, carbohydrates seem to get, you know, you're, you're from a performance standpoint, especially in the endurance athlete community, yeah. that's pri- priority is going to go to carbohydrate for, fueling those long bouts of, of exercise. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, we're getting towards the end of our time here. Um, but I do have some questions from the audience. Um, typically I, I send out an email or post on Instagram say, Hey, this is who I'm interviewing, um, in the near future, what questions you have for them. So, uh, we've answered a, a few of them, but, uh, We'll, we'll, we'll go with what's your take on, on vitamins. I know you've talked about it a little bit, but um, just, you know, 60 seconds or less overall, how should we think of vitamins and supplements? Yeah, I think first approach should always be big picture nutrition. So I think if you, I think ask yourself why you're taking these vitamins and are you consuming those? Are you getting enough of those vitamins in your food? And if you're not, then I would start with okay, what things do you need to add into your diet to, or to your daily regimen so that you can cover your bases there? Because the reality is that most vitamins, there's so many different forms of vitamin, of of vitamin B and vitamin A and vitamin E. So it's important to uh, realize that for the most part, food, whole foods are going to give us all of those necessary forms of vitamin. Whereas, you know, supplements are going to have one one aspect of that vitamin isolated yeah. in supplement form. And so, and, you're, and so you're missing out on all the other, all the other nutrients as well. In addition to that, um, in, to, in addition to that vitamin and, you know, it's becoming a part of your daily intake. So food intake. So that would be my, my first thing is know why you're taking a certain vitamin. Mm-hmm. If you don't know why, um, look into that a little bit more, talk to Call someone, you. talk to a professional, um, <laughs> But, and then also see where you can get those foods from a, from a whole food standpoint. Okay, cool. Cool. So the next question from the audience is what is it like being filmed in a reality um, athletic event in parentheses, <laughs> they say like the uh, Spartan games was shot and portrayed more as like a reality kind of show than it was an athletic event. Like you would watch football or hockey, you know, where it's more focused on the, um, athletic event instead of, you know, all the characters and, and that kind of stuff in between and that kind of stuff. So, um, well, what's your take on that? Yeah. And I, you know, we were all there to compete. We weren't there to be maybe aside from Hunter, but he was there to compete too. But like, we weren't there to be <laughs> yeah. personalities on a, on any type of, of, of show or documentary. Mm-hmm. So going there with the intention of here, here's the competition, it's going to be filmed. You know, we didn't have a l- bunch of cameras, like I mean, they were around, but it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily trying to, we didn't have any type of script or trying to follow any type yeah. of dramatic, um, you know, turn of events. So it felt, it felt fairly normal. I think it was, it was different to have like cross the finish line and then have, you know, a camera in your face trying to like, or like, you know, for me 
being in tears after the ultra run and then having mm-hmm. the cameras come over. It's, you know, you, you're trying to, and then getting asked questions, you know, it's trying to put your emotions into words and you're exhausted. And so it's, you know, different in those ways where you kind of, you know, maybe think back and you're like, wow, I kind of sounded like an idiot there. Like I wish I said <laughs> something different. So, you know, I think it's, it's sometimes hard to be, to sound. And I, I think hopefully people will cut some of the athletes a little bit of slack for mm. some of their outbursts or things that they said, because you know, it really was a very exhausting four days. Um, and, yeah. you know, to have the cameras around to capture all of that, you know, we're not always going to be at our top sportsmanship or positivity or, you know, um, especially if we're very focused on the competition. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was different, but I, at the same time, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we're drama incentivized necessarily, except some of the guys sometimes <laughs> they were a little dramatic I'm not gonna lie, but the girls, it was just like, you know, well, if, if I'm interviewed, I'll answer the questions, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel real world uh, style, sure. like MTV style, which is thank goodness. Yeah. And I don't think it got to that extent either, yeah. but it was just, it was interesting when I was, I was kind of expecting to see more of the event um, part of it where mm-hmm. it was a lot more of the interviews and then you're when you're watching like the um endurance events and stuff they would show you clips but you it was hard to say okay who's in the lead who's not yeah and that kind of and stuff. i think it's hard like it was such a wooded course like i don't know how they would have followed yeah. for that long every like to show the whole turn of the events but like day one, they definitely could have done. And I think they took the, the feedback from viewers after episode mm-hmm. one and day one, but like, you know, trying to follow the first obstacle course race and who was in lead and, and actually seeing people going through that, that was like just a highlight reel on day one. And it was like, okay, we're, we're missing, we're missing the actual race component and yeah. you know, people are wanting that. So I think they did a good job of turning that around for yeah. the last day. Yeah. It was very impressive how they went from, um, you know, week one to week four and how yeah. that evolved just in um, production. <laughs> and it was like over four weeks. That was, yeah. that was pretty. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, that made me happy to see that they were willing to take in some of the, some of the feedback and mm-hmm. turn it into a little bit more of something that everyone wanted to see from a sports standpoint. Yeah. So. Cool. So um, 15 seconds or less on this one. What is your favorite post-workout competition meal? Oh, Gosh. Well, um, let's see. Post-workout is definitely going to be oriented toward like getting protein and carbohydrates. So, um, I love, I I just love my protein powder. I'm I'm sponsored by gnarly nutrition and I can't really beat that with some milk (laughs) that mixes milk and a PB and J. I'm a big PB and J person, but if I was doing like a post race, I don't know. Like I, I love breakfast food. So I don't know, maybe I would do like a big thing of pancakes and have some protein with that or have like some yogurt with it. I don't know. So I don't, I I'm also like, I like a big burger sometimes. So post race is like, it's, it's not as planned out as recovery for post training. I'm for sure. training. I want to make sure I'm maximizing my recovery for post event. There's obviously like I, there should be, and there often is a, a recovery component there, but it's also like, I'm starving. I've been racing for this many hours. Yeah. Like, I want I want whatever I'm, <laughs> I want whatever I'm craving right now. So. Yeah, Usually always, a good amount of salt too. Yeah. I always find <laughs> post competition for me, it's either a celebratory like meal or uh-huh. a, um, 
dang, I'm depressed. I'm going to eat whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The dietitian in me is for anyone listening is going to be, Hey, do both have a post-workout, you know, snack, try to do that immediately with whether it's, you know, a, a mm-hmm. protein shake and, you know, some sort of quick carbohydrate, like a banana and a shake or something, and then have your celebratory meal. So you're kind of touching yeah. on, you're getting both of those. Um, so that would be my recommendation, but it doesn't always go as planned and that's okay. We, we adapt yeah. and learn. So cool. So if somebody, uh, wants more Corinna in their life, um, uh, I know you're taking on nutrition clients and can you talk a little bit about, um, what that looks like from if sure. somebody said, Hey, I, I want to work with you and then where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm probably most active on Instagram for social media. Um, so feel free to to send me a message or um, contact me there just to, to get in touch about any nutrition coaching. But I also have a website. It's uh, the rdathlete.com. And there's talks a little bit about my coaching services and what I offer. And, you know, always happy to hop on a call with anyone interested to kind of give them a rundown of what that looks like. But it's really tailored to the individual. It depends on what your goals are, what your what your lifestyle is and what you're willing to do and what your, you know, what other things that you're maybe not so interested in. And I kind of, um, I like to have those conversations with an individual upfront and see like, if we're a good match, if I feel like I can, um, be of service to you with your goals and what you're looking for. And if so, then I kind of get you into that onboarding ramp up, which is, like I said, I'm going to always have someone give me a, a three to five day food log, whether it's handwritten or tracked mm-hmm. in an app, but that is kind of step one along with a questionnaire form to like, I, yeah. I need to know as much information about you as possible, your mm-hmm. health history, your, um, your lifestyle practices, a daily snapshot of your day. But I get, I like to get all that information up front and mm-hmm. do a really long, good initial consult before we sure. jump into a game plan. Do you work primarily, um, with like athletic performance or, uh, if somebody's like, Hey, I'm just a rec athlete and I just want to lose some weight. Is that a good, somebody yeah, to contact I, you too? Or I like, I like working with an athletic population. I enjoy, I have plenty of clients that are just recreationally active or trying to be we're working toward that. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always open to working with anyone who just has a true interest in learning more about nutrition, not just going through the steps, but Hey, I want to learn more so that this can be part of my life moving forward, you know, for, for, for the rest of their years. Right. I want, I want education is a huge component of my coaching. So if they're not interested or willing to learn throughout the process, um, then, you know, we might, we probably wouldn't be a good fit. So, uh, but, but no athlete or not, I, I just want to help people live their best life and in the healthiest way possible. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Corinna. Thanks, Jace. All right, episode's over. If you found value in this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. And if you haven't already yet subscribed, do so now so you don't miss any important topics in the coming week. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, please send them my way. I am most responsive on Instagram. That's at jcheese, J-A-E, cheese, like the food, or email me directly at jace, J-A-S-E, at scienceofsportsrecovery.com. Talk soon.